chattery bunch today. Life. Everyone Life. shout, Life. Life. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. That's where the life comes from. Let's stand up this morning. Do you think I have something to share today, or do you think I'm just going to wing it? <laughs> wing it? Who said wing it? And we're blessed. Tell them about the baby, when the baby came, and the baby's name. And uh, Monday morning, 607, Violet Rose. And she has hair. Lots of hair. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is the day that you've made, and we rejoice in it. Lord, it's a privilege to come into your presence. We thank you for times of refreshing from your presence, Lord. And so, Lord, we expect you, Holy Spirit, to minister to us corporately and individually today. If there are people here that need answers to any problem, any circumstance, speak to their hearts. Any need present, minister to their needs as we lift up Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Scoot out, scoot out, scoot out, okay? Just want you to guys, just give me, give me like this, this pose, okay? <laughs> Keep that pose. Can you people read what that says? I, I'm not asking you people. Can you people read what that says? What does it say? Okay, shut up. Can you people read what that says? I want you to worship that way this morning. Amen. Go sit down.
to ask you, Holy Spirit, to reign in our lives. We submit ourselves to you as vessels of honor to be used of you in the days ahead. So, Spirit of grace, we call upon you. Stir our hearts and help us prepare and get ready for all the Father has for us in the days ahead. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. and all God's people said, He reigns for all eternity. Amen. You may be seated. Before Kathy comes, I want to share with you. Um, this morning as we started the service and what, what, what did it say on those shirts? Lions, not sheep. And uh, I just want to exhort you and encourage you now in this hour. Oh, we got a hand, slap. There we go. <laughs> right now, the time we're in, and Kathy and I were talking about that, it's kind of a frustrating time because we see a lot going on in the negative sense. Amen. And I listened to uh, Kent Christmas. Where, thank you. I hadn't heard that one. I said to Kathy, should I play that tomorrow? And she said, no, not yet. <laughs> what was the name of that? Can you find it for me so I can give the people? Because this will be your assignment this week. Is that okay? How many of you um, can get on YouTube? Okay. How many of you know who Kent Christmas? Some of you might not. He's a man of God and prophet of God, a pastor down south, has been there for years. Just just lost his son, passed away and died. And, and uh, this man can prophesy. Ready or not, it's like 31 minutes, something like that. Okay. Ready or not, everyone say... Ready or not. Everyone say Kent Christmas. Kent Christmas. You can't forget that name. Get on there, I dare you. Double dog dare you. Listen to it. It, it will rock your world. Will you do that for me this week? How many of you would listen to that for me? Thank you. But as I was standing there, and we were talking about lions, not sheep, I was reminded, I, when I got out of Bible school in 1983, we came to this city. We're both, you know, born in, in Nebraska, and she was from Monroe, and I was from Fairbury, and we came to Norfolk, just stepped out in faith. We didn't even have a place to live. We loaded the truck, pulled my pickup, my little love truck. Wish I still had that truck. Got good gas mileage. <laughs> Came up here and, and you know, submitted ourselves to a, a, an existing work, and that's another whole long story. But it was like when we were in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to Bible school, she's a graduate of Roberts. This is, this is all I can tell you, the analogy. It was going from heaven to hell. Bottom line. 
And Norfolk back then was a very dark, oppressed area. There was a lot of witchcraft, a lot of things going on, and we were just thrown to the lions, basically. And I remember I struggled because I was having panic attacks. How many have ever had a panic attack? But back then, they didn't know what they were. And you go to the doctor, and they look at you like you're an idiot. You know, fear, bottom line, is from Satan. You know, and uh, I was having a hard time. I couldn't eat. I was struggling. I was beginning to doubt myself and us coming here. <laughs> we did that for a while. And in, in fact, at times, we would do everything in, that we could just to leave the city and get away from here. It was that oppressive. But we stuck and we hung in there. And, uh, but I'll never forget this. It's so vivid. We lived at 209 South Pine. And uh, right down south, uh, just, just half a block from, what was the name of that place where they had the L-I-L-I? For people that had mental issues. And we get knocks on our door in the middle of the night from those folks. But I'll never forget this. I was struggling. I was having such a hard time. And I was in the fear. And I felt like I was going to die. And I had a dream. And this is why I'm, I'm telling you this. Because I think some of you are dealing with right now fiery darts. And we know where fiery darts come from. They come from the devil. And if we don't know how to control our thought life, and we just let it run rampant and wild, the enemy's got us right where he wants us. Because if you're going to concentrate on the problem and, and the lie, the accusation, he's the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says, that you're going to struggle and he, you're not going to make any progress in your walk with God. And so I'll never forget, and I'm relating this dream because we're talking about lions. And in the dream, I was walking on a, on a beach, and a lion jumped on me. I mean, it was, you know, a lion. And we, we fell into the water, and I'll never forget this. I held the, water, the, the lion down under the water. Now, there's, I had no problem um, interpreting this dream. See, it's the washing of the water of the Word of God that you use to keep your mind and your thought life clean. And I held that lion down, and he came back up, and he went and walked on the beach and wagged his tail and walked away. And I woke up. And see, that's where we're at right now. You've got to guard your thought life. I've had attacks in my, in my mind in the last month or two that are just, just downright weird. And if you don't know Jesus, and, you, and, your, no, and your nose isn't in this book every day, you're going to struggle. And he'll win the fight. See, he's already a defeated foe. 
And, and so I want to encourage you, you know, there's only one lion, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus Christ. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, I'm going to start with verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. How many of you need grace right now? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now listen to verse 8. This is what I want you to get this morning. If you don't get anything, get this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Vigilant means watchful. Sober means to be self-controlled. Learn how to control your thought life. You're, if he'll sit up there and say, you're going to die. You're going to die of cancer. You're never going to pay this bill. You're never going to have the job you want. You're never going to fulfill your spiritual destiny. He's a liar. It says, be sober, be vigilant or watchful, because your adversary... Everyone say adversary. Adversary. You better know how to deal with your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion. He's an imposter. He is not a lion. There's only one lion. His name's Jesus. Don't forget that. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. Resist the thoughts that come. My grandchild, my child will never come back to God. He's a liar. What about your mama, Bobby Lovenberg? She had to learn to resist the thoughts that her son, who was a... How can... What? Yeah, a violent, a violent heathen. Gang member came to Christ in prison. I don't care where your kids are, where your grandkids are. Loose angels on them. Loose God on them. You have authority in the name of Jesus over your kids, your family, your household, your property. Don't be a spiritual wimp. Listen, there's times I've been wimpy and she just kicks me. I'll be honest, in 40-some, 40 years, be 41 this, this summer. Thank you. I've never seen her want to give up. I've seen her grumpy as heck. Frustrated. I told her the other day, I said, you've just been frustrated quite a bit lately. Well, she's angry. Because of what's going on in the world. It's a righteous indignation. Nothing wrong with righteous indignation. But folks, you're going to have to learn to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. I have to do it every day. And I'm going to say something, and it's going to get easier in the days ahead. 
I'm not a gloom and doom. I believe God. I believe the prophets. But I'm telling you, it ain't over yet. We haven't seen it all yet. But when you got Christ, you got Jesus, you got the Word of God, and we've got each other, we're not going to lose the fight. Amen? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a little while, well, I think it's been a little while long enough, don't you? Perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. See, when we sing like this today and and proclaim He's King, He reigns. The devil doesn't reign. Jesus reigns. Amen. So that's your little... Was that the... If you're visiting, was that the sermon? No, that wasn't the sermon. Amen. (laughs) quick announcements. Patriots United will not meet this week. We're only going to meet once a month throughout the summer. On Tuesday, May 31st, they are going to have a covered dish dinner here. If you'd like to attend, we'll give you more information next week. And then after that, um, Tuesday, June 14th, will be the once a month meeting. It'll be the second Tuesday of every month. So that's Patriots United. This Wednesday at 7 o'clock is prayer. That's so important. On Sunday, June 5th, Mike Plain will be ministering here at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. If you don't know who Mike Plain is, um, we got to know him years and years ago. He pastored church in Yankton. He was from Harlan, Iowa originally. Then he went back there and pastored. And then he worked for some big churches in um St. Louis and St. Joe, and now he travels. And he's a teacher of the Word of God. He's an exhorter. And the thing I like is sometimes we're kind of isolated here, and he's out, and he can bring perspective of what's going on in other places. So I'd encourage you. um, We just have a covenant relationship with him, and he'll be a blessing. So try to attend that if at all possible. On September 15th through the 17th, the Lord of Hosts, in Omaha will be hosting their convention, Open the Heavens. It's in Council Bluffs, and I want to give you a heads up. I tried getting a motel room this week for that already, and I had trouble. And maybe they have some blocks of rooms set aside that weren't open. They didn't. I didn't find that out. I did find one fairly close, but if you're planning on attending that, I would encourage you to get your motel rooms Reserve now. That's the 15th through the 17th. I talked a few weeks ago to Pastor Doug Daniels from there, and he said this year they probably, and if it's, if the motel rooms are already filled up this far out, they're expecting a big crowd. And he said they probably are going to need help. Ushers, greeters, and that kind of thing. And I said, um, we'd get, get people encouraged to do that and we'll be there. So mark that on your calendars. So, as kind of he implied, I've kind of had a frustrating week, and then it just got more frustrating because he just got up and said all the things I was thinking about saying. (laughs) Especially one phrase, he thinks this week that I've been grumpy. And the problem with that is, 
he always takes it personally. He thinks that... (laughs) He thinks whenever I'm grumpy that it's all his fault. Well, sometimes maybe I let him think it is, you know. (laughs) But he's got to learn not to take it so personally. And I have been frustrated. And like he talked about, there's just so many things going on. But probably the thing that's been frustrating me the most is I know that God's on the move. God's doing some things. But sometimes it's just hard to get a real clear picture. And I kind of like to know that I know. And so when he was upset with me yesterday because he thought I was grumpy. I was, and he wasn't helping. (laughs) I tried to explain to him how I felt. And this church with this hunting culture will understand. So this is how I felt this week. I felt like a person sitting in a deer stand with a -a once-in-a-lifetime trophy buck, broadside, 100 yards out in front of me. And I could not get the crosshairs of the scope on it. And it's just like it was floating around. And I was feeling anxious, as you would, over that situation. Just because it's just like there is so much going on. There's so much worldly things, and you can get your mind on it like he was talking about. There's so many godly things going on. We've had decisions to make, and it's been hard to make decisions because you don't quite have the crosshairs on the deer yet. And so that has just bred frustration. I'm just talking to you from my heart. Because I sense probably some of you have been there too. And when God speaks to me, and God does speak to people, it's always down here, not up here. You've got to learn to listen here. It's nine times out of ten, it's a scripture or a portion of a scripture. And I got two scriptures this week. And one of the things also that's frustrating me was all this going on, just like with the deer, you don't want to miss. And yet you don't want to screw it up. You don't want to hurt the deer because you took a bad shot. And that's kind of where I've been. We've got to make sure we're on target. We don't want to get ahead of God. We don't want to get behind God. And then it's overwhelming when you stop and think what may be ahead. And so the two scriptures, the first one I got was, was uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And that, you know, that's a good scripture. God's grace is sufficient for each one of us. He knows what he's doing. He has the crosshairs on just because I don't yet. And then the, the other scripture that, that I got was we walk by faith and not by sight. And see, I'm trying to go. You know, your flesh, your natural mind wants to go by sight. But we have to go by faith. And he talked about, you know, renewing your mind to the word of God. And just a few quick things. If you want to walk by faith, faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. But you have to act on the word. And you have to renew your mind to the word. Because your mind can get blown away by everything out that's going on out there. So I'd encourage you, you know, when you pray in tongues, you build up your most holy faith by praying in tongues. So that's important. But it's also important to get the word. And people make the mistake of reading the word. They'll just get in and just read it because I read it. Sometimes you just got to take that scripture 
and I know I'm old school, but I still take a recipe card and write that scripture down, put it in my pocket, and when I'm out and about and my mind gets squirrely, I pull it out and I think about it. You meditate it. Uh, you can pull your phone out and do the same thing, but I just like the recipe card. It works for me. But the important thing is you get the word of God. And you need to not just look at it. You need to say it to yourself sometimes. You need to mutter it. You need to meditate it. Because we've got to be strong in the days ahead and of good courage. And to do that, we have to have our minds renewed to the word of God. We've got to be in key to what God's doing. Because he's doing big things. Roe versus Wade could come down this week. And that's going to be a wonderful thing. There's going to be some people that don't think it's so wonderful. So we just, like he said, we need to be prepared. And the best way to be prepared is by staying with God, staying with the word of God. Keep your focus on that. God will get the crosshairs in line at the right time. And his crosshairs are in line, but he'll just help us get ours when the time being. So we need to walk by faith this week. Everything we do, we need to walk by faith. Be consistent. If we want to be strong in the things of God, be consistent in the things of God. Be consistent in meditating the word. Be consistent in prayer. Be consistent in all these areas of your life. So this morning I just wanted to talk to you from my heart because that's where I'm at. I think probably some of you are. So ushers will receive this morning's tithes and offerings if you need an envelope. Raise your hands. They'll get you an envelope. If we do not have your name yet and address, make sure you fill that out on an envelope at least once so we get that in the books. Um, and we appreciate your faithfulness. God wins. a series about harvest, haven't we? Been sharing with you every week for a couple months, and our purpose is to help you, the believer. How many believers here? How many believe in Jesus? So this is you. This is me. To help you, the believer, develop a harvest mindset, mobilize you to go and fulfill the Great Commission. Now, let me read some scriptures. You don't need to turn there, but if you would like... You can look in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Matthew 9 verse 37 
It says, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. John 4, 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So what can we uh, learn from this? Number one, the harvest is huge. Say, the harvest is huge. Number two, few workers. Number three, pray for the laborers. And number four, the harvest is now. Say it. The harvest is now. Revival is now. Amen? So I'm going to review. We're going to review this. Um, I've got uh, a number of... Remember those? The church must. Say the church must. The the reason I, I chose that word, you can look in the Bible and see the word must. There's some things we must do. Must. In, in fact, I wrote it down. I don't know where I wrote it, but it, it's, it's a strong word. Number one, Harvest Church, just let me read it to you quickly. Harvest Church must redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity because events can occur suddenly. Amen. Number two. Harvest Church must heed the divine warning of things not yet seen and be motivated with godly fear to prepare for harvest of souls. Number three, Harvest Church must see society's lost sheep, discern their needs, minister the love and compassion of Jesus Christ to them. Number four, Harvest Church must rely on God's grace to receive people, speak to people, teach the people, and minister what? Healing to the people. Number five, Harvest Church must raise up leaders who are problem solvers, not problem makers. Problem solvers, men and women with initiative. Say that word. Initiative. Initiative, who can think for themselves, be aware of the situation, and come up with viable solutions. Okay, let's go to the other ones. We said... We learned this last time. In this great end time revival, the church must recognize that our youth possess the gifts that we need. They will be anointed with a special grace to be a witness and support for the body of Christ. The church in the days ahead must give our children and youth a hand so they can lead us in the right direction. In this hour, the church must dedicate and consecrate our children to God so they can fulfill His kingdom purposes. The church must not judge our youth by size, education, or appearance, but spiritually discern the attitude of their hearts. The church must pray for our youth to keep them from the sin of pride so they can overcome the evil of our day. And then the church must teach our children that they are known by God, called from their mother's womb, and He has a plan and a purpose for their lives and has given them a mandate to speak His Word without compromise. Amen? Amen. That's what we're talking about. We're going to go on today. And uh, put up the seven principles, please. Number one, we've talked about this. We must see the sheep with no shepherd. Number two, we must raise up leaders who can assess the needs of people and make wise decisions. Number three, we must recognize the next generation is something to offer. And number four, use what is available. I think there's more to that, but that's fine. We're going to go on and we're going to talk about that. Look at uh, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I chose this. This is the, the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. 
And I really think this applies to the church today and it applies to even the church now. So we can gain insight from this miracle and we can learn how to experience miracles in the days ahead. Amen? Now, we need to use the resources. This is what we're going to talk about today. Use the resources that are available and not be afraid to start small. Say start small. So, at verse 1 of chapter 6 of John, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him, because they saw signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Okay, so I want to start this morning. We're going to talk about this. We can't be afraid to start small. Say start small. Now... You know, I kind of bounce back and forth from all the different accounts about this miracle. You know, but in, in verse 5, basically, Jesus said, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Well, Philip basically said, Here, you know, we, there's, this amount of money wouldn't even be, buy, be sufficient enough to, to buy all the bread or all the food. And uh, I want you to see number one. It's scriptural to recognize or it's scriptural to state a problem. How many ever had a problem? How many had a problem this last week? How many are going to have a problem tomorrow? It's, it's all right when, you know, Philip and they're looking at this. Jesus says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You know, Philip's going... Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread's not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So, I want you to know it's all right to recognize and discern you got a problem, but don't camp on the problem. Don't stay with the problem. Too many believers, now listen, too many believers... And this is all of us at some point in our lives. Too many of us can only see what we don't have. Instead of what God the Father has already provided for us. Too many believers can only see what they don't have instead of what God the Father has promised to provide for them. Too many believers see the glass half empty instead of half full. Where do you fit in that category? Oh, the glass is half empty. Or as somebody else would say, it's half full. It's up here. It's how you observe things and think about things. It's your attitude, your heart's attitudes. Too many believers, and you'll recognize in Numbers 13, verse 33, it says, let me read the scripture. It says, there we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight, so we were in their sight. Too many believers see themselves as grasshoppers. 
instead of who they are in Christ and what He's provided for them. And you develop a grasshopper mentality. You're not going to make it in the days ahead, folks, with a grasshopper mentality. I'm just a grasshopper. I'm an insect. Come on, devil, just step on me. No, we step on him. But if you think small and you, and you just, you know, camp on the problem and just meditate the problem instead of the solution. Too many believers choose doubt and fear over faith in God's word. That's where people are at right now. They've chosen doubt and fear. You know. And I realize that's what, you know, Kent Christmas addressed this. He says, there hasn't been too many prophetic things going forth the last, you know, month or two. Yeah, they're, they're out there and people say things. But I'll tell you what, the body of Christ and even the five-fold ministry gift doesn't really know what God's going to do or how He's going to do it. Well, then you can get into doubt, you can get into fear, you get into wonderment, wondering what's going to happen. Too many believers would rather be possessed by the problem instead of being delivered by the solution. Are you problem-possessed today? What'd you think about all week? Problem? You know, I went into my favorite mechanic, my only mechanic... I've had this noise, and it's, it's like, you know, the bicycles with the cart and the spoke, and I'm driving down the road, and I'm hearing this noise. In fact, I was in Sioux City in, last week, and I, I realized it was awful hard to get up the hill, so I turned the air conditioner off. I thought that'd help. It didn't. So I go to see Robert, and he diagnosed the problem, said he couldn't hear it, so he had to have Julie. Julie was there and had to listen. I said, what is it going to be, a grand? Well, he's so nice. He didn't want to really give me, you know. Yeah, I figured it would be about $1,000 The flywheel's broke and he's got to pull the transmission out to fix it. You know. Is that a problem? Not for my God. I serve you know, the wealthiest Jew in all eternity. And he lives in me. And he takes care of me. And he's going to provide for me. It's like I told Robert, I'm not going to go spend $65,000 for a 1999 pickup. They want a lot of money for vehicles right now, especially trucks. I'll never get away from a truck. Got to have a truck. So you can be, you know, just possessed by the problem. Now, we'll get, that's the first thing. The next thing is this. And I, I think we're just going to talk about this and all unhook today, so just relax because you've got things to do and places to go. And I could spend weeks on this subject. What do we got to learn here? Remember, I go back because, you know, I don't want you to forget. We need to use the resources that are available and not be afraid to start small. So did they use just two fish? Five loaves of bread? Is that a little? In view of 5,000 plus people? Would that cause your mind to tilt? How are we going to do this? How? And I can't understand because I know they saw miracles with Jesus. They walked with Him and saw 
you know, people raised from the dead and blind eyes open, and yet they get here and Jesus says, well, what are you going to do? Well, how are we going to do this, boys? I don't know. I wish we had a miracle worker with us. The next thing you've got to learn, yeah, you discern the problem, but you've got to obey God. You've got to learn to obey God. Obey His commands. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, here, here I wrote down through all of these four accounts in all the different Gospels, the statements that Jesus made to His disciples. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, He says, You give them something to eat. In Mark, He says, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, that to me is a command. Is it? In Matthew, he then says, bring them here to me. Bring what you have to me. In John, then he says, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. These are commands. If you and I in the days ahead will do our part, keep our mind renewed, do what he's called us to, that he's told us to do and do it with the right heart's attitude. If you and I do our part, he'll do his part. Obedience always precedes the miracle. Say that. Obedience always precedes a miracle. Say it again. Obedience always precedes a miracle. And I just wrote a few that came to my mind of different things that Jesus said. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Then he said to someone, stretch forth your hand. And he did so and his hand was restored as whole as the other. What if he hadn't raised his hand? He would still had a withered hand. Then Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. Action. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Here's another one. Give, and it shall be given. It all comes down to obedience. If God has told you to do something, then do it. What? You know, I got... I get, I whine just like the rest of you. I come in here I, every day. I'm very. The woman you gave me. I'm going to stand over here. Now I lost my train of thought. Uh-huh. Whine. And I'd say, God, I want a word. Give me a word. Never said you've never said that you want to hear from God. I I, I knock on the door a lot with him. I want a, want a revelation, a rhema word today. Nothing. So I walk out here. You don't love me. No, I don't do that. And then I heard somebody say this, and I thought this is good, and this would be good for you. If he hasn't, if, if you know, if he spoke to you a week ago, two weeks ago, and he hasn't spoken anything yet after that. Just go with that word. Don't expect a new word. If you're expecting God to speak to you every week 
and you're not doing what he tells you to do, he ain't going to give you anything else until you do what, what he told you to do the first time. Amen? And, and really one of the last things he told me was marshal the forces. Guess who the forces are? You. Guess who the marshal is? Guess who Matt Dillon is? Guess who, Fe- maybe I'd be Festus. I don't know. Some of you don't even know who Matt Dillon or Festus is. Or Chester. Remember him? Listen, this is, a, this is an, a pet peeve. You, you're not going to do much for God if you're watching Gunsmoke reruns from the 50s. Not eight hours a day. Yeah. You can't have that Western channel on all day. Amen. She made me turn it off. No, I'm just kidding. I don't watch the... I, I love a Western, but it's got to be Clint. Amen. I wish Mel Gibson had made a Western. Okay. So these are commands. If you and I do our part, God will do his part. Obedience always precedes a miracle. Remember that. Now... Philippians 2, verse 8. I'll read it to you for the sake of time. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Who humbled himself? Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Obedience. I'm going to give you the Greek definition of of obedience by Rick Renner, who's a Greek scholar. He says, the word obedient that is used to describe Jesus in this scripture means this, it, it comes from the Greek word hupakouo, from the word hupo, which means under, and the word akuo, which means I hear. When these two words are compounded together, they picture someone is who is hupo, H-U-P-O, under someone else's authority, and akuo, listening to what that superior is speaking to him. After listening and taking these instructions to heart, this person then carries out the orders of his superior. Now listen. Thus, this Greek word tells us that obedient people are under authority. Say that with me. Obedient people are under authority. And that's hard for rebels. Oh, I can use you in every sermon, Bobby. You still got a little rebel in you. Obedient people are under authority. They, they're listening to what their superior is saying. And number three, carrying out the orders that have been given to them. This is what the word obedient means in this verse, the verse I just read you. And this is what the word obedience means for you and I. You see, even Jesus had to come to this place of obedience. Although he knew that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, that didn't mean his flesh was excited about dying as the lamb of God on the cross. According to this verse in Philippians 2.8, Jesus had to humble himself and become obedient. What precedes obedience? Humility. In order to follow God's plan. He wasn't looking forward to the experience of the death of the cross. He made a choice to humble himself to go to any measure in order to accomplish the Father's plan. Part of the Father's plan was for Jesus to humble himself onto death, even the death of the cross. He said, just think of it. 
Almighty God, clothed in radiant glory from eternity past, came to this earth, formed as a human being in the womb of a human mother for one purpose, so that he could one day die a miserable death on the cross to purchase our salvation. All of this required humility on a level far beyond anything we could ever comprehend or anything that has ever been requested of any of us. Yet this was the reason Jesus came. Therefore, he chose to be obedient to the very end, humbling himself to the point of dying a humiliating death on a cross and thereby purchasing our eternal salvation. I'll tell you what, folks, in the days ahead, if you're not obeying God and doing what he asked you to do, you're missing out. Amen. Another author says this about obedience, and I've never forgotten. I've had this book since. My gosh, gosh it was written, first of all, in uh, 1990. That's almost what? 30 years ago. And this book's pretty well worn. And he talks about the difference between submission and obedience. I once was in a meeting where the facilitator was counseling a young husband and a wife about a problem they were experiencing in their church. After listening, the facilitator remarked, you've not been submitted to the authority over you. Yes, I have, the young man retorted much too quickly. The facilitator continued, you have been obedient, but you've not been submissive. Now, I'm just... You've been obedient but you've not been submissive. There's a difference. The fact that your wife is frustrated and upset because you're in such a state over the situation is an indication you have been obedient to do what has been asked of you, but you have not been submitted to the authority in your heart. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. Submission is much as an attitude as it is an act of the will. There are two aspects of the act of submission, willingness and obedience. Willingness means ready to act, inclined or favorably disposed to perform, not choosing to refuse. Obedience means performing what is required or abstaining from what is forbidden. The leader must choose to obey God. He must do so willingly. Pass this attitude on to those in his sphere of influence. Even in his obedience, he puts his whole will into the task so that it will be a blessing and not a drudgery. When she says, take out the garbage. <laughs> take the garbage. You take the garbage out. And man, you've never had an attitude when the wife has told you to do something, have you? Oh, don't look at me like that. Of course you've had an attitude. But then there's the times you just do it because you want to be a blessing to your wife. He says, and I'm going to go on and we'll finish. Let me give an example of what can happen when a second level leader does not fully understand submission. He's given direction by the senior leader and leaves the meeting, fully intending to carry out his instructions. However, he repeats his instructions in such a way that his wife or other confidant clearly understands he's not in agreement. Without taking another step, he's made a decision to obey, but not favorably disposed or ready to be willing. Lack, now listen, 
Lack of submission, and submission is of the heart. Obedience is an action. The lack of submission is usually accompanied by the excuse factor. The temptation to blame someone else when caught in default of submission is ever present. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Passing the buck, as Adam did, signifies a lack of maturity in a leader. He says, let's take a closer look to Adam's transgression. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Adam failed to provide adequate leadership for his helper. He was not up front taking the initiative to lead her into all truth. Where was Adam while he was being deceived? Not only did he fail to provide the necessary protection for Eve, he followed in her transgression, not by deception, but by disobedience. Then to top it all, enter the excuse factor. He passed the buck. The story of Saul provides some insight in this area. God commissioned Saul to go into battle against the Amalekites, to utterly destroy them and everything belonging to them, taking no spoil. Well, it goes on to say, basically, Samuel shows up and Saul had an excuse. Saul feared the people, therefore disobeyed God. His excuse was the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Does this sound familiar? Lord, I did it for you. But when the prophet challenged him, Saul admitted, I've sinned. I've violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. That's what is going on in this nation now. Our preachers that are giving in to men. This was Saul's reason. But neither excuse nor reason can ever justify our disobedience to God. Adam blamed Eve. Saul Saul blamed the people. We'll blame others too if we're not careful. Taking full responsibility for our errors is vital to our growth in obedience and submission. It will not only keep us in right relationship with God, but will also enable us to be effective leaders. You see, using excuses will never lead to true repentance. We're talking about humility. We're talking about obeying God. But to a false sense of justification and self-righteousness, learning to take full responsibility for our actions will assist us in every area of life. There's no such thing as sort of committed, kind of submitted, or almost submitted. You're either submitted as a leader or you're not. To the extent that you're submitted and serving as a leader is the extent to which you will find fulfillment in your life. We're talking about obedience today. And I know we're, we're going to have to unhook because I'm not going to just rush through on the rest of it. We'll talk about not being afraid to start small next week. But I want you to ask yourselves, how obedient are you? Especially, you know, in your marriage relationship. How obedient are you on the job? You go to work, and yes, we've all worked places. We don't like the boss, and we don't like the people we work with. But I'll tell you what. Yes, you can be obedient, but your heart 
attitude can suck. You know, you can be obedient and show up at a church, but your heart's not in it. How obedient are you as a believer? Stand to your feet today. I can't answer that question. If God has spoken to your heart and asked you to do something and you haven't done it yet, are you obedient? No. And I, you know, I, I realize in the days ahead, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed to have, you know, overall this body of believers are willing and obedient. Did you hear that? Willingness is of the heart. You do it because you love God. Amen. You love your pastor. Pastor's wife's grumpy, but you got to love her anyway. Oh, give me a break. I'll survive. I'm still here after 40 years. Amen. Bruised and bloody, but I'm still here. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, we're so thankful, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we've learned today from this miracle of feeding the 5,000 that we need to be obedient. Just as the disciples obeyed Jesus in bringing the bread and fish to him so he could multiply it. We'll never see the miracle that we desire unless we are obedient. And so, Father... I pray, and this includes me, Father, if there's areas in my life that I've been disobedient, forgive me in Jesus' name. Help me, Spirit of grace, be obedient in the days ahead with the right heart's attitude to do what you've called me to do because I love you and I want my faith and my actions to please you. I bind the spirit of disobedience over this people, over this church body in the name of Jesus. And I declare you're willing and you're obedient to serve God and those who are in authority over you at home, on the job, even at church. And Father, because we are willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land, we'll be blessed. So the future's bright for obedient people. The future's bleak and dark for the disobedient people. Choose the right side. Choose the side of obedience in the days ahead. And you'll be blessed and your spirit will not be filled with fear or dread. Be willing and obedient in all the Father. And the Spirit asks you to do. And you'll see that your future is bright. And you'll experience the blessings of God. Many, not few. So let that be your heart's cry in this hour. I'm willing and obedient. And I will eat the good of the land. For that's the will of God for you and your family, and for this church body. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Look at your neighbor and say, you better be willing and obedient. Is everyone here a born-again Christian? Everyone here believes in Jesus. Let me see your hands if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here today that you need healing for your body, your physical man? Amen. Come on down. We'll pray for you. This is okay. You can leave it here. This is fine. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we extend your hands towards each gentleman. Father, you said we could pray for the sick. And Lord, I take authority over infirmity. I bind it up in the name of Jesus. For healing is in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you reveal yourself to Scott in the days ahead, that you open his spiritual eyes of his understanding to see Jesus and experience, Lord God, strength, healing, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Father, I thank you for your divine favor to surround him as with the shield, and no weapon formed against him shall prosper in Jesus' name. Father, I loose healing this day upon your son, your servant, for healing is the children's bread. And so, Lord God, I thank you. We loose that healing anointing. Infirmity is bound. Healing is loose this day. Strength, strength, strength in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Anything else? I think you have a children's meeting today. Thank you for listening to us ramble on. What's your assignment? I forgot your assignment. I forgot it. Ready or not, Kent Christmas. And if I don't see you next week, I'll realize why. God bless you. Have a good week. Thank you.